Wherever you are at, I am so thankful that you were able to join us this morning, whether it be that you are listening this morning at 10 o'clock or whether it be you are just on the move throughout the day or you're listening to this later in the week. We want to tell you that we love you, we care about you, and we want to hear from you. And so if you have prayer requests or if you want to connect with us, go ahead and jump on our website and fill out that connection card or you can get on our social media channels and connect with us with, through direct messaging that way. Each week, we do a kids program at 9.30, and we also have this 10 o'clock broadcast. So if your kids are interested or you are interested in having your kids join us online for the Kids Zone, we want you to connect with Bethany Flug, and she will get you connected to that private um, Zoom online experience for your kids. During the week, we do have our community groups meeting sporadically through the summer, and so if you are not connected to a community group, we want you to be, and so go ahead and contact us, contact Jake, Pastor Jake Flug for a connection there, and we will get you connected to a community group. They're meeting through the week out on our patio as well um, for dinners and, and barbecues and such, and so it's kind of a fun time through the summer. If you have access to a piece of bread and some juice or wine, we want you to prepare for that now. And so I have a small introduction. Go ahead and increase your volume on your device and go grab your communion elements because after I teach today, we're going to take communion together and bread and wine or juice satisfies that. So go ahead and um, go do that now. A few thank yous that I want to give this morning. First of all, thank you to Pastor Jake for delivering an awesome message last week, and also to Pastor Becky, as she is the one who puts together our in-person gatherings. We are allowed a certain number of people each week, and so we are following the mandate from the governor, and so we desire to do the very best that we can with what we've been given. And so Pastor Becky has a sign-up sheet, and she works through lists of names every week to make sure that you are able to come and that you are notifying us to come. And so we're really thankful for that and for her work. It is a big job, and so I just want to send a thank you to, to her. Uh, she also is spearheading, along with our worship team, our outdoor uh, gathering that is next week. And so next week, we are going to meet out on our patio uh, for a live event. And so if you want to join us for that, go ahead and just let her know that you are wanting to connect. You can connect with her directly on Facebook Messenger, or if you have her contact information or jump on our website and send her an email off of our site. You can get connected to our live event outdoors next week at 10 o'clock. And so we are certainly excited to see as many people as possible that we are allowed, allowed to do. And so uh, go ahead and get connected to our outdoor live event. All right, I'm going to light this candle as we do each and every week. And this represents the light of Christ that is in us and even in the darkness. Even when we don't feel or experience Jesus or even see that he is present, we know that he is. Just because we don't feel something doesn't make it untrue. And so Jesus with us, that's what the Bible promises, that Jesus is with us and around us and moving uh, for us and on behalf of us. And so 
We believe that, and so this, this candle represents the light of Christ that is in us, even in the darkness. Uh, before I get started with the main material, I just want to repeat our mission statement as a church. We are a community that loves like Jesus, and we know that that love is strengthened and bolstered in our life when we grow in these, um, in these core values as a community. Daily devotion, prayer, freedom from strongholds, serving the community, sacrificial generosity, sharing and knowing our stories, and also celebration. So with all that we're faced in the world today, I pray that we would continue to love, that love would be our mantra, that love would be what we are known for, and that love would cancel any kind of, of hate. So as we are in the midst of James, there's a lot that he says about how to be and how to act as a Christian to show love, to show love to the world, especially to those that are, that are non-believers. Remember that our effectiveness is shown as Christians when in the unbelieving world, when the unbelieving world sees us and perceives us in a certain way, that's, that shows our ineffectiveness or our effectiveness because Jesus says to go to all nations and make disciples. That's our mission statement. So when we carry the reputation of Christ or the reputation of something or someone else into the world, people perceive that. They see it. They make opinions. They make judgment calls based on our actions, our words, how we are perceived, even on social media and some of the platforms that we, we speak. And so it's very important to have careful obedience with what we say and what we do, what we don't say and what we don't do. And in the last handful of weeks, I've noticed that as life is ramping up with all kinds of heated arguments and there's pockets of opinions and there's vocal social media radicals out there giving their, their thoughts and opinions about lots and lots of topics. Some, um, I would say, are very, very unintelligent and ignorant in presentation and also in language. Um, I would have to say that as we see uh, people get very vocal and pockets of opinion growing, we have to question what is our opinion and how am I being perceived in my opinion. And I think that this is a great timely message to make sure that in the practical style, in the practical application of our lives, is that we are completely sold out to Jesus, and that selling out to Jesus definitely is reflected in our behavior, our actions, and our words. So the first thing that James confronts is this idea in the whole passage of being comfortable. And Never in scripture does it promise that we will be comfortable. And James again tells us that we cannot be comfortable in, in life. And so in verse 11 of chapter 4, it says, Brothers and sisters, don't say evil things about each other. Whoever insults or criticizes a brother or sister insults and criticizes the law. 
If you find fault with the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge over it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, and he is able to save and destroy. But you who judge your neighbor, who are you? Question mark. So these people in his circle, in James' circle, had gotten so comfortable that they definitely forgot who God was. And James reassures them that there is only one lawgiver and one judge. So as these people are criticizing each other and throwing rocks at each other uh, about their opinions or flinging manure at each other about um, their thoughts, they basically forgot who, who God was. Well, I can apply this to today very easily because we are a society that is, and I'll go back to the comfortability idea, we are a society that's built on comfort. <clears throat> and in our comfortability, um, we are given luxurious things. We are given the opportunity to purchase luxurious things. I don't know if you've checked out some of the new cars lately and all the Twinkies that are offered on these new cars. Um, when I was younger, back in the day, when I was younger, there wasn't so many Twinkies <laughs> offered um, on cars. You still had the option of automatic windows and roll-down windows when I was uh, buying my first car. But if you think about what is offered, you are given the option of seat warmers and you're given the option of seat coolers. Now, I thought it was really the cat's meow when they offered seat warmers. But being the size that I am and just how my spiritual gift is sweating, especially in the heat, the seat coolers are the jam. And I wish that I had a car with seat coolers. Think about the lumbar supports in three different areas and all the gadgets and all the gizmos that you can noodle around all while keeping your eye on the road. And that's just cars. We haven't gotten into you know, the Barca lounger that you can, you can buy. So think about even in this pandemic, in the pandemic, there's a lot of things that were necessary. There was a lot of things that were done that we had to go purchase and do um, in order to prepare and set ourselves up for success for the months to come. So I know that some of the purchasing, not the rage purchasing, not you know clearing out Target of toilet paper, but but the the other necessities to prepare ourselves to just get you know ourselves set up with hand sanitizer and 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 bleach wipes and some of the things that you know were just were just on the list we had to get. But then there's those things that were unnecessary. And think about all the things that maybe we have purchased that were absolutely unnecessary, that some of us were given um, even stimulus checks, and think about what you purchased with those. Some people purchased luxurious, very comfortable things. And some things are just purchased strictly out of staying comfortable. Why? Well, I would not necessarily criticize us for that because I like to be comfortable, you like to be comfortable, I like to sit in comfortable chairs and do comfortable things, and I like those seat coolers. That's what I like. We as a society, the human nature, the nature of human nature really is uh, to have a bend bent on comfortability. So in our comfortability, 
what I have seen is people feel, think, and perceive that they have a license to say and do anything. It's literally shocking to me in, in the last couple of weeks that people feel so comfortable that they can shame, insult, and slander, gossip, put down, make fun of, call names, people just across the street, online, to their face. We have gotten so comfortable in, in our behavior that we say and do things many times without any even notion or thought of, of consequence. This is a society that is comfortable. We're complacent in our behavior. We have forgotten who God is and who is in control. And the way that we treat people, we have forgotten who people are and the main filter in which we are to see people and God. When Jesus says, or Jesus is asked, what is the greatest command is to love God and to love others. That I hope, and that is the reminder today, that we need to quit nagging each other, criticizing each other, and focusing on everybody else and their behavior and start looking at our own side of the street, not getting comfortable with the words that are coming out of my mouth irresponsibly without consequence, and the words and the actions that I portray and people perceive is done and said in acts of love. And that is our filter. That is what James is talking about. He wants us to get back to that norm, back to that square one. That is what he wants for us. So temporary comfort really is what we shoot for as a society and the nature of human nature is temporary comfort. Um, the illustration that I have for this is I used to manage a health club and the front desk was a very temporary position. And I don't know if you've ever had a temporary job, but when you have a temporary job, you don't necessarily put in your best effort. You know, it's kind of like having short-termers complex. You're just, you're just there for a couple of weeks, you're there for a couple of months, even a year, and you're not putting in your best effort. You're not putting your best foot forward. And so people would come and go. And the turnover was absolutely tremendous. Firing was a habit of mine almost. And I was the firing uh, boss, <laughs> it seemed like, during those times. But it was the nature, really, of the job where people would come in, the job didn't demand a lot, the job didn't require much thinking, and it was just that, it was a temporary job. And because it was temp a temporary job, you didn't put your best effort into it. So temporary, the idea of temporary is, is a fleeting feeling, um, it's a fleeting commitment, it's a, it's a, a fleeting effort. When we live in temp constant temporary comfort, we are not putting our best foot forward. We are not doing the very best that God would want us to do 
when we're looking for temporary solutions, temporary placation, and temporary comfort. And this is why this era of time right now, this moment in our history is so important. Because a temporary solution is not going to fix a systemic problem. And we need to start looking at permanent, long-growing, long-lasting solutions for our long-lasting, long-built problems. We cannot just look for a temporary problem. And that is going to require, require us to put our very best foot, thinking, and minds forward during this time. So this idea of temporary, like temporary commitment, uh, that's why it took me so long to get a tattoo. Temporary tattoos, my daughter puts temporary tattoos on her, her arm. It took me forever to get a tattoo. I got a tattoo like two years ago, um, and I'm 47. So it took me until 40, well, maybe 44. 44 years old in order to get it, because it's permanent. It's a permanent fixture on my body. So it took me some time. It took me some thought. It took me some, you know, investigation of should I put this this mark on, on my body? Because temporary goes away, but permanent lasts forever. And so I think that permanent, in that dumb little illustration, I think that permanent takes some thinking. It takes some careful obedience. Temporary comfort is like Ikea furniture. We want to build good, handmade, well-built furniture that lasts, that that, uh, cures and heals and works through some of the systemic problems, even between um, people groups and people in communities like like the church, I think the church is even even divided. Um, the church is divided today. The church universal. Look at how many opinions uh, fly around about what different churches are doing. Open up, stay closed, and what we think of either either one of them. So when you think about temporary, and you think about what temporary the the consequences or the conclusions of temporary and what that does. Temporary faith and temporary action and temporary comfort, the consequence of that is false love of a community. It's false love of people. When James 4.13 says, pay attention who you say today or tomorrow will go to such and such a town. We will stay there a year buying and selling and making a profit. What he's saying there is that that be careful of not just going from town to town, burning through relationships, and the only reason why you're there is to, is to make a buck. And so if you're going to lie to people and say you have big plans and big ideas and then you don't follow through with I, those ideas, um, you have a false love of community. And I, and I see false love of community um, all over. I mean, how we treat our neighbors and how we act towards the people across the street and next door to us in, in which we live, how we treat our, our co-workers. Remember that temporary attitude builds false love of community. Uh, people also seek out comfort over what they can attain temporarily too. And so some people actually build relationships just for the sale or they build relationships just to make a profit 
relationally. And love is a long-term endeavor. Love is a marathon experience. It's not a short-term idea. And so we need to learn love in the long-term and learn it well. And if I could use this James 4.13 as a metaphor that making a profit off of a relationship that you are falsely loving a community because you're trapped in uh, temporary comfort and temporary satisfaction of our lives, that's just being a taker. You're, you're going into a relationship and you're just taking from that relationship and getting what you can out of the relationship. And that's not what God desires us to do. It gives a perception that people do not and will not believe Jesus because of a taking mentality. But also this temporary seeking after temporary comfort and seeking after temporary um, ideas not only creates irresponsible language and actions and relationships, but it also just creates a false view of life. I, I would say that, that we are so wrapped up in um, the temporary uh, that many of us have just this false idea that we're going to live forever, that we're going to be around forever, and that life doesn't matter. Life doesn't matter. Um, either, either camp, either we're going to live forever or life doesn't matter and just you know, you're going to die tomorrow or whatever. So I think, that, I think that it's really important to have an accurate view of life and long-term. And so, yeah, James 4.14 says, you don't know what um, is going to happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are the mist that appears for only a short while before it vanishes. So he, he does say that. And I also believe that just like life is a mist that can disappear, just know that you're still here and you're still waking up and going to bed every day. Your mist has not disappeared. And so just because this slogan and a lot of people treat this as a slogan, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow, so live it up today. Um, I know it says that, yet we're not gone probably tomorrow. Tomorrow, there's a good chance that tomorrow is going to happen. And so the responsibility of today builds a lasting legacy versus, and builds a lasting love versus builds a lasting, you know, temporary comfort or, or just, you know, irresponsible life. So we need to shoot for permanent comfort. We need to shoot for long-lasting comfort. Why? Because it does give an accurate, true view of life and does give an accurate, true love of community. And so in James 4.15, here's what you ought to say. If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But now you boast and brag and all such boasting is evil. It is sin when somebody knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it. And so he's just going back and forth in this conversation. A permanent comfort, a permanent solution, a permanent vision for your life will produce a true view of life. And this is why it's really important to, to look at your life in the long term. 
What does the next 20 years look like for you? What does the next five years look like for you and me? What is the next, let's just say, next couple of years, what does that actually look like? At the end of this pandemic, what do you want to be remembered for? At the, when your kids get to 18 and they look back on your Facebook feed, what do you want to tell them in the last 18 years of what you believed about them and how you believed in them? I think that long-term thinking, long-term vision, long-term ideas and thoughts and, and, uh, and just life, long-term living, definitely we can, we can be careful obedience about what we say and do, and that produces a true view of life, but it also produces a true view, a true love, rather, of the world, a true love of the world. People can see that we are consistent. People can see that we are permanent. People can see that we are present. And love is our filter. Love is our consistent message. So I would have to say to just be very poignant that if you are wrapped up in some of these conversations that either are happening out on the street or online, and you're just in this dogfight with people, wherever you are in that dogfight with, I would encourage you to take a break, just temporary break, rethink what you're saying, rethink what you're believing, and try to approach all conversations in Christ's love versus human hate. Christ's love always prevails over human hate. And that's the consistent message long-term that I believe that we need, to, we need to present and be known for. So we can't be complacent with these things. We can't be complacent with what we say and what we do. <clears throat> we can't be so comfortable in life. <clears throat> Excuse me. We can't be so comfortable in life that we're just irresponsible uh, with our words and our actions. And so James tells us in chapter 5, verse 1, he says, pay attention. Pay attention. And he says, you wealthy people, if I, could, if I could replace that and say, pay attention, you comfortable, complacent people. When you're wealthy, you got a lot of money and you don't have to worry about where the food comes from, right? So pay attention, you wealthy people. He says, weep and mourn over the miseries coming upon you. Your riches have rotted, moths have destroyed your clothes. Your gold and silver have rusted, and their rust will be evidence against you. It will eat your flesh like fire. Consider the treasure you have hoarded in the last days. Listen. So he says, pay attention. And then in verse 4, listen. He's saying, wake up, people. Hear the cries of the wages of your field hands. These are the wages you stole from, the, from who harvested your fields. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of heavenly forces. You have lived a self-satisfying life on this earth, a life of luxury. You have stuffed your hearts in preparation for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous one who doesn't oppose you. Do you see and hear the application there for today. He says, you're hoarding things. 
Your riches are rotten. The things that you've acquired in the temporary build, 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 your stacks of gold and silver have rusted. And he says those, that rust is evidence of who we are. That rot and moth-eaten clothes are the things that people actually see. But then he says, consider, consider this, listen. Hear the cries of the wages of your field hands. A field hand was a marginalized person. And so what is he saying here? The cries of the harvesters, the cries of the slaves, the cries of the marginalized, the cries of the oppressed, the cries of those kicked out, the cries of the untouchable, the cries of those that are so different from you, the cries that are those that are unclean, quote unquote. You condemned and murdered them. So I would have to say that this is so applicable today that it's a simple message that instead of looking out for ourselves and looking out for our rights, looking out for what we think we deserve, looking out for what we think we people owe us, looking out for what mean number one, looking out for just building my own kingdom, instead of looking out for that, because that produces rot, that produces moth-eaten clothes and rust that will be used. Think about your funeral video, the rust that will be the evidence against you. Instead of that, think about others. Think about loving other people. Think about reaching in the lives of the marginalized. Think about reaching into the lives and helping the oppressed rise. Think about listening to the voices of those that have been oppressed and put down in our society. Think about those that live on the edges of the fields. Those are the cries of the wages of the field hands that we need to pay attention to those cries. And we need to step, we need to step into those conversations and into the action of generosity and action of love in action. Not, not just love in words, but love in action. We need to step into that love in action with, with courage and without being cowardly. And he, and he talks about that in the latter part and middle part of chapter 5. We cannot be cowardly in stepping out and reaching into those that are most in need. And we need to share and we need to be generous and give of our resources in the gospel to help people to rise. And that is the message of James. That's a message that that kind of faith with that kind of work, is alive. Let's take communion together. This represents Jesus' body, and this represents his blood. He says, do this in remembrance of me. When he sat around a table with a bunch of people, 
And he says, remember this message. And that's why we do it every week is to remember that message that Jesus died for us so that we can live in such a James way. Let's take this together. Father, thank you for the message and the direction of loving and being a community that would love intentionally like Jesus loved. Help us to reach into the margins. Help us to go to the oppressed. Help us to speak up for those that, that their voice has been suppressed. Help us to love in such a way that people will know us, not for our hate, not for our division, not for our dogfights. Lord, that people would know us because they see our love. They know us by our love. Help us to be that kind of community here locally and regionally in our area. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us this morning. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Take care.